You're listening to the Jesus for Everyone podcast. To support this podcast, go to RenewedHeartMinistries.com and click donate. Temptation to believe there's only one loaf of bread and you better fight for it. What little we have, though, these the stories of the feeding of the multitudes teaches us that even if it's just a few loaves and fishes, what little we have, when it's passed through distributive justice and it's shared with others, it creates an entirely different order. This is Herb Montgomery with Renewed Heart Ministries, and I want to welcome you to episode 253 of the Jesus for Everyone podcast. It's a podcast where we talk about the intersection of faith and social justice and what a first century Jewish prophet of the poor from Galilee might have to offer us today in our work of survival, resistance, liberation, reparation, and transformation. Our title this week is Another World is Possible. It's going to be part one, though at least be a part two, possibly a part three. We'll see how next week goes. But our feature text is Mark 1, 14 through 15. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Now, in the gospel narrative, John the Baptist was arrested after being deemed a threat to Herod. And you can read more about it in in Mark's gospel, chapter 6, 17 through 18. But in Mark, John's arrest, it marked the launch of Jesus's itinerary teaching ministry. Jesus would, would also follow in John's footsteps and in becoming a threat to the, to the status quo as well. And whereas John was arrested and beheaded, Jesus would be arrested too, but his execution would also carry the, the extra political weight of, of being crucified, of, of crucifixion. So which elements of Jesus's teachings were so threatening to the privileged and the powerful? That's where I want to begin this week. Let's consider a story that Jesus told in Matthew. Matthew's gospel in Matthew 20, 8 through 16, it says, when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. The workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came and each received a denarius. So when those who came were, uh, so when those who came who were first hired, they expected to receive more, but each one of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowners. These who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, am I not being unfair to you, friend? Did you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the one who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have a right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first and the first will be last. This story, it it captures one of the central values of Jesus's teaching. Jesus, uh, uh, Jesus' solution to the problems of his own society, it was community, but not just any kind of community. His community put first those that his society was placing last. It reversed the status quo. And to put it in the language of, of liberation theology, Jesus's vision for humanity was a community that practiced a preferential option for those that are typically made to be last. And as I've shared this before, this is good news for those who are last. The last will be first and the first shall be last. It's threatening and at least problematic for those uh, who, who, who are first, especially 
those who've worked their entire lives competing and scheming through through power struggles of society to achieve their position. To those uh, people specifically, Jesus' idea of reshaping human society into a community where those who are presently privileged and powerful became equal to those who have been pushed to the undersides or the margins of society, that's deeply threatening. It, it, it causes trouble. Egalitarianism, it, it's, it's not a good thing to people who want to be privileged above or to hold power over others. To these people in the Jesus story, the, the message that the last will be first and the first will be last, that, that they would all be paid the same wages and treated equally regardless of how long each had labored that day, it left them incensed. And I love how the employer in the story responded, are you envious that I am generous? Uh, another key value in Jesus's community, his vision for community, was generosity. Jesus's community was rooted in a generous sharing with one another based on need and not necessarily how many hours each one had worked. In the book of Acts, Jesus's followers they shared as they were able, and they received as they had need. Their community didn't rely on individualistic competition, but it, it relied on mutual aid and, and, and a commitment to take care of each other. The future had hope, not because each one of them had, had insulated themselves from, from other members of the, the human family, but because they had embraced their connectedness to one another. They, they leaned into their connectedness, and, and they loved others as themselves, as it was taught in Matthew 19, 19, 22, 39, Mark 12, 31 through 33, and you can find it also in Luke 10, 27. And today, there's a strong current in U.S. society toward this rugged individualism. Each person is expected to take care of themselves, and there's a, a concerted effort afoot to diminish social aid that's already at a bare minimum compared with places like in Europe, which in the, in the end would leave the vulnerable. It would leave them at the mercy of charity or the wealthy or powerful corporations and someone to exploit those who are more vulnerable for the benefit of the few who have more money and power. So let's make them vulnerable so we can exploit them. And instead, Jesus's teachings to be generous toward uh, uh, toward those that uh, 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 the present system makes last. This was this was key. This was a core value to be generous towards those, especially those who are presently being made vulnerable in in Luke's version of the Jesus story, we find another element of Jesus's teachings that, that can easily be understood to have threatened those in power in his society. In Luke 4, 18 through 19, it says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, the recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So start preaching that poverty is not the result of chance, but the cause and effect result of whatever system is producing that poverty and see how quickly pushback ensues. Start advocating for a, a new system that eliminates poverty entirely. A recent example would be uh, the Poor People's Campaign and, and see how quickly opposition mounts. But the passage in Luke doesn't just mention good news for the poor. It also includes good news to prisoners and the recovery of sight for the blind. And what I believe Luke is referring to here 
is what many scholars of that time and of that culture, they called prison blindness. In that time, when, when someone was awaiting trial, they were simply thrown into a, a deep hole into the ground. And it was so dark in that hole that the prisoner could not see their hand right in front of their face. So the recovery of sight to those with prison blindness, it simply meant release from incarceration. It was liberation. It was it was setting the prisoners free. Begin today advocating for the abolition of mass incarceration and watch what results. Advocates for the end of the war on drugs, which which was created, we know, I'll put a link for this on, on uh, Nixon's aid, what, what, uh, how he uh, uh, documents. Um, it was created with a racist intent. Watch who begins to be threatened by your calls for the abolition of, of mass incarceration. And two books that, in my opinion, are, are must-reads if you want to understand how deeply unjust the, the U.S. judicial and mass incarceration systems are uh, here in the U.S. are my, Michelle Alexander's The New Jim Crow and Kelly Brown Douglas's Stand Your Ground. We've, we've added both of those to this year's uh, annual reading list, but they're well worth your time. Douglas's book, Stand Your Ground, it, it also sheds a tremendous amount of light on U.S. immigration policy and what we're watching right now on, on the U.S.'s borders. U.S. immigration policy has always been about maintaining a white majority population in the United States, and it, it still is. And the next element of, of Luke's passage here in Jesus's gospel was, was liberation, the setting free of, of what is named here as the oppressed. Liberation and survival, those are at the heart of Jesus's teachings. And repeatedly, Jesus's vision of resource sharing and taking care of each other, it allowed his followers to, to survive the present world, but also to work to, to create another one. It helped them hold on to, to, to hope and at the same time to practice the belief that another world was possible. And I believe the greatest contribution that, that liberation theologies have made to our understanding of the gospel over the last 50 years is a return to the heart of Jesus's gospel of liberation for the oppressed. And, and with that heart, uh, many Christians have been introduced to, to Jesus for the, the very first time. And lastly, in, in Luke's description of Jesus's ministry, we, we read, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. This was the year, remember, when all debts were to be forgiven. It was to be the beginning of a kind of, of wealth redistribution. Slaves freed, prisoners released, debts canceled. It, it was a reset back to level ground for all society. In the year of the Lord's favor, the oppressed were freed from those in positions of power. And this part of Luke's passage, it, it, it also reminds me of the game of Monopoly. Most folks love the game of Monopoly, especially on the opening rounds. But those last two rounds... The, those two last two rounds are awful for everyone except the person who owns all the property on the board and has created the monopoly. I have a friend who actually had to quit playing the game because every time it would reach this point, they would flip the board and send pieces and money all over the table. And it reminds me of the story of how Jesus flipped the tables in the temple, sending property and money uh, over the courtyard. Capitalism has today reached the need for a reset as well. And we can either choose it voluntarily or those who have no other option, they will rise up and force that reset. And today, think about it for a moment. Six men own more than uh, more than ha more than more than half of the entire global population. That is 
unsustainable as well as being distributively unjust. The God of the Jesus story, Jesus states, causes the sun to shine and the rain to fall equitably on all. We find that in Matthew 5, 45 in the Sermon on the Mount. And this discussion makes you defensive or, or apologetic. Uh, I'd ask you to consider these words in Mark's gospel. In Mark 8, 14 through 19, the disciples had forgotten to bring bread except one, except one loaf that they had with them in the boat. Be careful, Jesus warned. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. They discussed this with one another and said, it's because we have no bread. Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked them, why are you talking about having no bread? Do you not still see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but fail to see, ears but fail to hear? And don't you remember when I broke the five loaves and the five th- for the 5,000, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? Twelve, they replied. And when I broke the seven loaves for the 4,000, how many basket pieces uh, did you pick up? They answered seven. And he said to them, do you still not understand? Now, according to the Gospels, the Pharisees they did not understand. As an aspiring economic and political class within Jesus' society, rather than believing that another world was possible and seeking to create it, um, the, the Pharisees, they simply sought greater power and privilege in, in the present world, in the present system, in the present uh, way that society was shaped. And the, the, if you want more information on background of the Pharisees and, and, and this class struggle they were involved in, I want to recommend to you a presentation on our website. I'll give you a link to it in the in our e-site, but it's a Fox Valley Jesus from the Edges presentation. But, but the first uh, uh, Herod too, he had achieved great wealth and power by pushing himself to the very top of Jewish, Jewish society. And, and the Herod that Jesus was referring to in this passage had, had done the same. What then is the is this yeast that, that Jesus told his disciples to avoid? I believe it represents the lure uh, of the present order that benefits a few at the expense of the masses. It's the luring of, of believing that you can achieve the status of the 1% by competing and you, and you don't have to, to lean into Jesus's vision of mutual care and responsibility and sustainability and cooperation with others. In other words, there's only one, it's, it's, it's the temptation to believe there's only one loaf of bread and you better fight for it. What little we have though, these the stories of the feeding of the multitudes teaches us that even if it's just a few loaves and fishes, what little we have when it's passed through distributive justice and it's shared with others, it creates an entirely different order. And this is often, uh, uh, there's often this fear that there's not enough to go around. We look at that one loaf of bread in the boat and, 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 and we begin to get scared. We're afraid that if we share rather than continue to compete, uh, that we'll be the ones that go without. And that's why Jesus asks how many basketfuls were left uh, over each time. And the, the answer was that there was enough for the crowd and for the disciples too. Jesus was offering a narrative of resource sharing, of generosity, of distributive justice, of peacemaking, and, and gratitude in the face of the too often lived by narratives of, of scarcity and competition and greed and monopoly and violence and, and hoarding. Jesus called for putting people first over profit, over power, over privilege, over property. Another world, he believed, was possible. The question is, will we believe it?
will we choose it? And and this gospel, it's still calling to us today. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Heart group application this week. Gustavo Gutierrez in The Power of the Poor in History, page 45. He writes, but the poor person does not exist as an inescapable fact of destiny. His or her existence is not politically neutral, and it is not ethically innocent. The poor are a byproduct of the system in which we live and for which we are responsible. They are marginalized by our social and cultural world. They are the oppressed, the exploited proletariat, robbed of the fruit of their labor and despoiled of their humanity. Hence, the poverty of the poor is not a call to generous relief action, but a demand that we go and build a different social order. So number one this week, What are some of the other ways that Jesus's teachings called for a different social order than than, than even what we've listed here this week in this week's article? Make a list of those ways. And then number two, discuss with uh, this list with your heart group along with the the list that others have made. And and what are some of the ways that you as a group can practice some of the things on this, this combined list this week? And then number three, pick something on your list that you've created as a heart group and do it together. Follow Ferrer, he stated, as the oppressor minority subordinates and dominates the majority, it must divide it and keep it divided in order to remain in power. The minority cannot permit itself the luxury of tolerating the unification of the people, which would undoubtedly signify a serious threat to their own hegemony. Accordingly, the oppressors halt by any method, including violence, any action which in even insipid fashion could awaken the oppressed to the need for unity. Concepts such as unity, organization, and struggle are immediately labeled as dangerous. In fact, of course, these concepts are dangerous to the oppressors, for their realization is necessary to actions of liberation. That's from his book, Pedagogy of the Oppressed, uh, page 141, the 30th anniversary edition. There is power, people power, in, in combining our energies and in, in working to make our world a safer, just, more compassionate home for us all. We saw this last week as, as a, a combined outcry challenged uh, the U.S.'s policy of separating families entering its borders. And this problem is is not yet resolved. In in fact, the solution, quote unquote, still does inestimable harm. So as people of faith and and goodwill who who seek the intersection of their faith and their work towards societal justice, um, there's a great petition that's uh, been created that that you can have your entire heart group sign this week. I'm going to give you a link to it. It's called All Rights for All Without Borders. And uh, the the, the intro to, to this position states, as Scott Scholars and teachers of religion, we rejoice that public pressure led to initial steps to end family separation. Yet we remain deeply concerned with the Trump administration's attempt to substitute mass detention of families as a solution for family separation. These practices continue to be rooted in an inhumane policy of zero tolerance that is morally, ethically, and spiritually reprehensible. And we exhort all people of faith and all people of goodwill to reject and resist this immoral approach. So check out that a petition. Have your whole heart group sign it together. Thanks for checking in with us this week. Wherever you are today, keep living in love right there. Live in survival and resistance, liberation. Keep pushing for reparation and for transformation. Another world is possible. I love each one of you dearly. I'll see you next week with part two.